Well, I, uh, I got up really early this morning. I, I was awakened and I prayed for 30 minutes before I got out of bed, and that was at 3.30. So, wow, feel like I've already lived half the day already. I have. Most of the day's already gone to me. Wow. But uh, God's been speaking to me, and yesterday there was a, a, a something rolling around inside me, and it's way, way, way deep. But when I got up this morning, there it is. So let me just start here. I have notes, but I, I have oh, so many other things. Can I just talk to you? Revelation 12. How many know we're living in a, a day of change, a day of uh, a just surreal, r- ridiculous darkness that I never, ever thought that I would see? When adults can cavort half naked in front of children? Friend, there is something desperately wicked and wrong. Would you agree? And for people to say that's okay, something's really, really wrong. And see, the devil's unmasked himself. He used to hide behind the bushes. No more hiding today. It's all wide wide open, right? There's some voice to tell you, well, I know you're born a girl, but you're really a boy. Friends, that's demon spirits talking to you. They're after our children. They're after the college age. They're after the young. And then even those that are older are saying, well, I must have some freedom now. Let's throw, let's throw away the chains that have been put on us by a God who is holy. Well, friend, if you throw away those chains, you've got chains that are coming that you can't get loose from. In fact, Jesus has no chains. He has freedom. In discipline, there is freedom. How many hear me? Revelation 12, 9. Revelation 12 is a, a parenthesis in the book of Revelation. It's just, just trying to recap and explain some things that have already been said. Revelation 12 really, uh, uh, really talks about the, um, the fight between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, between the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan. And it really talks about the wrestling match that uh, is going on ever since uh, God created us in His image to fellowship with Him. Uh, Satan was kicked out of heaven and got so upset that God would actually uh, create a people that could fellowship with him. And he was so upset that he tried to mess up the plan. And here in Revelation 12, verse 9, and the huge, calls him the, the dragon, the huge dragon was cast down and out. This is the Amplified New Testament, that old, age-old serpent who is called the devil and Satan, who is the seducer or deceiver of all humanity the world over. He was forced out and down to the earth, and his angels were flung out with him, along with him. Then I heard a strong, loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come the salvation and power and kingdom, the dominion, the reign of our God, the power, the sovereignty, the authority of His Christ, the Messiah, for the accuser of our brethren who keeps bringing before our God charges against them day and night has been cast out. Let me pause. Any voice that comes to you reminding you of what you're not, what you used to do, what you used to be involved in, what you can't do, what you can't be, how God is displeased with you, is never God, it's the devil. Because God's voice woos us. Don't forget when Jesus was resurrected, He said, go tell my disciples. To Mary, go tell my disciples. And He pointed out, go tell my disciples and Peter that I'm risen. Why did He say that? Peter denied him. Of all the, all the apostles, Judas betrayed him, but, Jesus, but Peter denied him. 
And the very one that denied him, he said, go tell him where I am so he can come and see me. You hear me? So any voice that tells you what you're not, no, God will tell you who you are. And he'll move you away from your past and bring you into the present with him. How many know he wants to do that? So the enemy, this is what he does. He keeps bringing before our God charges day and night. He's been cast out, it says. He was cast out of heaven. Verse 11, and they have overcome or conquered him by means of the blood of the lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. For they did not love and cling to life even when they faced, were faced with death, holding their lives cheap till they had to die for their witnessing. Therefore be glad, exult, O heavens, and you that dwell in them, but woe to you. O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in fierce anger or fury because he knows he only he has only a short time left. Now, that's today. It seems like today I've never seen such mess. Have you? Then Ephesians 6, 10, New Living Translation, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I woke up several times last night and I chose to meditate on this verse. When I wake up, I meditate. Be strong in in the Lord. It didn't say be strong in yourself, did he? Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. Right? So it's not you, it's not your strength. Well, I'm trying to be strong. Well, you're missing the whole point. He said be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You might feel weak, but he's got strength that you, you can tap into. Verse 11, put on all God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies or inroads of the devil, methods of the devil. The Greek word methodios means with a road. He comes into your life with a road. He wants to wear you out. He wants to pull you down. He wants to show you what you're not. But God says stand against him. Paul, The apostle Paul, the Holy Ghost through him says stand against him. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. How many know this is a day of battle? So I was, uh, you know, sitting in my favorite chair yesterday studying this. And here's what came to me. It's not a day to relax. It's, do you relax in the day of battle? Do you, do you kick back and drink your favorite bed, beverage on the day of battle? No, on the day of battle, you're supposed to be ready and prepared. Yes or no? Huh? It's a day to rise up, be all that God's called you to be. Yes or no? Huh? Listen, and, and here's what came to me yesterday. Those that choose the leisurely way today will lose what they have. Now, if you choose the leisure way, do you know you could lose the freedoms that you enjoy as an American? Do you know the Marxists and the communists have already infiltrated our government? It's true. We think we're free. No, no, no. On the heels of where we are right now is people telling you when to do what you're, they want you to do. And you, if you don't stand up, you're going to lose that. You're going to lose your freedom. Yes or no? Spiritually, if you don't stand your ground, you're going to lose the freedom you have in Jesus, my friend. It is not a time to be slack. Yes or no? 
I got it. I just wrote these things down yesterday. Satan is right now aggressive and bold in his attacks against the church of Jesus, against truth, against freedom. He wants you to leave your faith behind, follow the current pressure of the culture. He wants you to give in to self-centeredness, into immorality, into bigotry, prejudices. There's this spirit of prejudice that wants to pit each, each, each nationality against the other. And friends, it's full of the devil. If I can't love you when you don't look like me, I've got a problem. It's not, it's not your problem, it's my problem. If you can't look at my whitey me and my white head and love me, you got a problem. If I can't look at you, whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, and love you, something's come on me and it didn't come from heaven. Yes or no? Demon spirits, that spirit of Antichrist. See, all this is in the spirit of Antichrist. He wants to divide us so he can conquer us. He wants to divide your family so he can conquer your family. He wants to divide you from your children so he can conquer them. He wants to divide and pit husband against wife so he can conquer your marriage and dissolve that family unit so there won't be anything strong for this nation to be built upon. How many hear what I'm saying? Hmm. He won't, he won't, he's, he's full of lawlessness. He wants you to be lukewarm, half-hearted. So you got to ask yourself the question, am I lukewarm? Am I half-hearted? Am I just going through the motions? You know, listen, I've been in Jesus. This is my 47th year, September 12th. I want you to know something. To keep something hot and alive for 47 years is not going to be for the slackered. you got to pursue. I've been married to this lady sitting right over here beside Mira, Susan, this lady right here, this lady right here. <laughs> This year, 44 years. First time I looked at her, I said, mm, 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 I like her. <laughs> and this morning I looked at her and I said, you're beautiful. Thank you. That's right. And I said, I love you. You know, to do that after almost 44 years, you got to work on it. Mm-hmm. Yes or no? <laughs> I don't have the hair I used to have. Or the physique I used to have. But Susan still has all of her beauty. To me. That's the most beautiful woman right there in the room. That's just the way it is. So, you know, I'm just saying, you know, you got to work on it. And you got to work on your relationship with Jesus. And now there's everything in the world to pull you away. Did you hear me? The distractions are endless now. It's nuts, it's crazy. Satan's actively promoting lawlessness, immorality, perversion, lies, deception, pride, selfishness, racial strife, the rejection of God, the Bible, Jesus, and the church. And let me also add to that the family unit. Question, question, question. What are you doing in your own life to stand for Jesus? To stand for truth, for righteousness, for godliness? Huh? Are you benignly tolerant of the changes we see today and that are sending the world into a downward spiral or are you actively standing against them? You can say behind closed doors, ooh, that bad. But are you standing up against what's being said in the workplace? Well, I might, I might lose my job. Well, what's more important to you? 
You know, over and over again in various segments of life, I have noticed that what Paul said in 1 Timothy 6 is 100% true today. The love of money is the root of all evil. Our politicians, uh, a lot of them are paid off. I just heard one yesterday say that somebody came to this person uh, who is running for governor of a particular state. Did y'all hear this? And she said last week, somebody came up and knocked on her, well, called her and said, I want to come and see you. In person, she knew the person, didn't reveal who it was. They came and knocked on her door. She opens the door, said, what's going on? Why are you coming to see me? And the person said, how much will it take for you to leave politics? That's what the devil smells like. Huh? Can I get real? If your job is more important, if the money you make is more important than godliness, then you're serving the wrong God. Hello? You know, if I was pastoring a church and I couldn't preach the truth, thank God for the board of directors we have because they let me preach the Bible. But if I was part of an organization that said, well, you can't preach that and it's in the Bible, I'd have to make a choice. Am I willing to change vocations or go somewhere else and do something else? Am I willing, or am I willing to stand for truth? Or, or would I acquiesce for the dollar? Huh? How many know that's where we're living today? How many hear me? Are you spending time on your knees praying for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren? Are you spending time on your knees praying for your spouse? Are you praying for your church, your, your city, your nation, the world? Are you asking God to manifest His glory? Or are we just benignly saying, well, it sure is bad. It sure look bad. You know, when I was a little boy, we... Um, you know, we, I lived in the country, so we play cow pasture baseball, softball. You ever done that? You get squishy things between your toes on occasion. Yeah, forget it. I know. It's bad. That's so bad. I know. I agree. But, you know, uh, there would be fences surrounding the fields. And, you know, you, your first thing you do is you sit on the fence, and you, you got cows, and where we were, cows all over the place. And then you got Mr. Big, Big Bad Bull. And, you know, so me, I'm a little tyke, and I'm just waiting to spot the bull. Where's the bull? Because I don't want to commit to the, I don't want to commit to the pasture till I know I'm safe. I don't want him to have an aggravating day and be looking at me and wanting to come after me. So I sit on the fence, and I'm looking around a little bit. Is it time to go yet? Maybe I'm the first one to go to the cow pasture. Am I ready? Am I ready to make a commitment? Am I ready to step over? So a lot of people, you know what? They got one foot over here and one foot over here, one, one foot acquiescing to the culture and the other foot, they're in there with Jesus. Oh, they're coming to church. They're, they're doing their stuff for Jesus, nodding to God once a week. But have you made the firm commitment to take that other foot and step back right over into the kingdom of God? If you've got a foot over in the other side, and you're dabbling in things that God said is wrong in sin, friend, it's going to cost you today. How many hear what I'm saying? 2 Timothy 3, this is the Passion Translation. Uh, but you need to be aware that in the final days, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, the culture 
of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for people of God. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves, obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. Is that happening today? They will ignore their own families. They'll be ungrateful, ungodly. They'll become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slave to their desires. They'll be ferocious, belligerent, haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of, of the loving God. Uh, they may pretend to have respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like this. Now, I was going to talk part two on the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but i got to do that next Sunday. Because there's this something that's been rolling around inside of me. This is the day, you know, God has given you, in fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, I'm not going there. He said the weapons of our warfare. So He said though we walk in the flesh, we don't fight with fleshly weapons. And then he said the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty in God. You have three strong spiritual weapons. Number one, and I'm going to get to the last one, which I'll talk about the rest of the time because God said something and mentioned something to me yesterday. So the first weapon you have, how many know it's the Word of God? The, the, the offensive weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, in Roman days, they had a long sword, but then they had a short, short sword for, for intense person-to-person battle, and that's that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I mean, you're ready, to, you're ready to get your enemy and kill him right away, and that's what the Word of God will do when you speak what God says about your life out of your mouth when you're threatened with doubt, with fear, with unbelief, and the challenges of life that tell you and make you feel like you're going to make not going to make it when you come when it comes out of your mouth what God says knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us when it looks like you don't have anything to eat one day I'm young and now I'm old I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread Lord thank you that you'll make a way how many hear me So regardless of the temptation or the challenge, that's what Jesus did both in Matthew 4, Luke 4 in his wilderness temptations just uh, before he entered his ministry. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and Jesus constantly said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Question, how many times throughout the day do you pause and say, wait, wait, just a minute, Mr. Devil. It is written, it is written, it is written. If you're too... um, hmm, if you're, if you're so, I'm looking for a word. If you're so special and so smart and so wise and educated that you can't speak the word of God, then you have too much education. People don't even admit there is a devil and that's the way he wants it to be. He's the, he's the mafia chieftain under, behind the closed doors that nobody, that nobody knows or sees his face but he's making everything happen. That's going on today, my friend. And you just gotta be aware. I have to resist the devil just like you do. I have doubts, I have fears, I have unbelief, I have just mess 
a barrage of it every single day. And I find myself throughout the day, well, well, you know, Father, thank you that the Bible says. Lord, thank you that the Bible says. Lord, I want to thank you that your word says. Father, I just want to worship you that your word says. So, so the first weapon we have is the word. What are you doing with your, with your weapon? Don't keep it in the sheath. Take it out, the sword of the spirit, and use the thing. There is a place for speaking the word, yes or no. Now, I could spend the whole time on any of these things, but again, I don't have any notes for what I'm talking about. I'm just talking from my heart. Is that all right? The second weapon we have is the name of Jesus. It is a weapon of our warfare. How many hear me? And so, since I don't have any notes, you've got to give me a moment. You give me a moment. So, I have to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Hurry up, Bible. There you go. Verse 9, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name. Everybody say, the name. Above all other names. That at the name. Everybody say, the name. Of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That means angels, men, and demons have to bow to that name and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When I act in Jesus' name, I am acting on His behalf and in His stead. Yes or no? Uh, When you're an agent for a company, maybe you're in sales and the company gives you authority to enact business on their behalf, they give you the use of that company name. And when you sign your name on the dotted line of a contract, you're signing on behalf of that company, yes or no? So all that that company you work for has is at your disposal, uh, disposal according to what they gave you authority to do, yes or no? When Jesus said, I give you the, the, the use of my, the unqualified use of my name, the only thing necessary to use the name of Jesus is that you are born again and walking in fellowship with God. There were in Acts 19 in Ephesus, there were seven sons of Sceva. And some, uh, they, 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 they come up to this person who was demon possessed. And they said, I adjure you in the, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon said, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? So if you're going to use that name, you've got to be in fellowship with Jesus. When I say in the name of Jesus, it really means Jesus. When I say Jesus, I'm saying all that is in the Lord Jesus, in his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension and seating at the right hand of the Father and all of the authority that has been bequeathed to him because of who he is and what he did in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk, he said to the little guy that had been almost 40 years without walking, right? You can lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. You can speak to the circumstances in your life in the name of Jesus. You command the fears to go in the name of Jesus, the doubt to leave in the name of Jesus. You can divide your feelings and thoughts in the name of Jesus. There's some days I say, you know, Father, in the name of Jesus, I resist everything I'm feeling. I walk by faith and not by sight. I walk by faith and not by feelings. Yes or no? So we've got the Word of God, 
We've got the name of Jesus. That's a great study. I could spend the whole time talking about both of them or a, a, a segment each Sunday talking about one of those. But then the last weapon is what I want to talk about. And uh, yesterday it came to me fair, fairly strongly as I was uh, praying and seeking. I was actually reading the notes I had written. But this just kept coming to me. And I honestly, uh, be honest, I didn't do anything with it. Because I kept looking at my notes. That's our problem. We keep looking at our notes. We keep doing what we've been doing. But there is a new level of living. And there's a new way of defying the thoughts and the choices. And there is a new day that has dawned upon the sons of men. And it is the day to seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near. And it is a day to stop thinking your own thoughts, living your own ways. And it is a day to seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near. The day would quickly approach that things would change. The door would be closed. And those that know him would go up. So make sure you're in his family and that you're ready for the days ahead. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, if you're Baptist, like I was for 18 years, that was different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. The background of me yesterday, all and then last night, honestly, when I woke up, and then this morning, I'm reading my notes. This verse keeps coming to me. And it's where the church world is right now. I want you to hear me. And, and I've got to make choices as a pastor. What am I going to do? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 16. No one puts a piece of unstrung cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine in old wineskins or else the wineskins break and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. That means nothing to the average American. But I've seen the pictures. I've never watched anybody do it. But I've actually been in Africa and seen some of this. So you just kill a small animal, cut his head off, cut his feet off. And then you take and you pull off the leather, the exterior skin. And then you tie up where the four feet were. And then, and then you got an opening where the head was. You get the, I know it's kind of gross, right? But then that skin is a place that they can put their beverage. You get it? So if they have wine from grapes and it ferments a little bit, you know, the longer that skin lasts, the harder it gets. And what Jesus was saying, if you've got grape juice, don't put it in an old skin. Because it's already hardened with age. It's not going to change a whole lot. But when you put grape juice in there, that grape juice will eventually ferment a little bit. And, it's, and one thing's going to happen. That fermentation process is going to happen. 
I'm not advocating drinking wine here either. I don't drink wine or alcoholic beverage, by the way. I'm just making a point that Jesus made. Y'all okay with that? And so what he said, if you got new wine, you got to put it in a new skin. Because if you put new wine in the old skin, it's going to break that old skin and it's going to pour out on the ground. You get the idea? And here he was talking to religious people because they were accustomed to the law, the sacrifices, the priesthood, the Ten Commandments. And Jesus didn't come away to do away with the law. He came to be the high priest of our confession. Jesus came to be the lamb of sacrifice. And Jesus is the only uh, human being that fully fully obeyed the Ten Commandments without flaw, yes or no. So he didn't come to do away with the law. He said he came to fulfill it. So speaking to the religious people, he said, you got to do things a little bit differently here because times are changing. And once he went to the cross, died, was resurrected, and the church age began, the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. It was a whole new way of living. And a lot of people couldn't handle what was happening. The Jews, the, the, uh, the, the strong religious Jews, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they couldn't handle what happened when Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and then the church age began. And they, they persecuted the church. Look at the apostle Paul. His name was Saul. What was he doing? He was persecuting the church. Why? They weren't, they, they weren't pushing animal sacrifices. They weren't pushing the law. They were pushing the grace of God manifest in Jesus, the Lamb of God. And it was something different. And today, we have church services. I preach and teach the Word, and I'm going to continue to do that. We'll continue to have services. And it is true. Hebrews 10 is still true. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. In fact, if you've been away from church, you need to come back. Whatever point in the future you hear this, if you've been away from church, you just need to come back to the congregation of believers. Wherever that is for you, whatever that looks like for you. How many hear me? But it's a new day, and there's a new wineskin, so to speak, for today. So the first weapon of our warfare is, listen, is the word. Second weapon of our warfare is, the name of Jesus. And then uh, there's, a, I could mention, for the blood of Jesus is another tremendous weapon. So then number four, praise and worship. There's something about worship that moves the heart of God. And there's something about worship that brings the manifestation of His presence. And I'm not talking about and you just thinking about something else. I know that sounded weird. That probably looked weird. But if you come here and this is the only time you get your praise on, you're missing what God has for you today. You're still in the old wineskin. God is doing something fresh and new today. And today there is the ministry of the presence that's here. I got up at... Um, Actually, I woke up at 3.30. I got my tail out of bed at 3.55. And I'd already cut my coffee pot on, so I got me a cup of coffee. And then I read for a while. Then when I got down on my knees, you know what the Lord said to me? 
And he's been doing this for a while. I want you to sing to me. I said, okay. So I sang four songs and just worshiped the Lord. And when I did, the presence came. In fact, God gave me a word. I, I always have my uh, device so I can retrieve whatever God's saying to me. And I, I hadn't even listened to it again, but I will. I'll get to it. But he spoke to me, and I felt the presence of God come on my life. And he let me know he was, I was his child and that he loved me and that he cared for me. You should be having that kind of day. This is a day where God wants to manifest his presence to every person that knows him so that people that don't know him can experience him for the first time. Yes or no? It's a day of new wineskins. It's a day where, where really praise and worship is going to take the forefront of your life. I was reminded of several things. You know, when the Holy Spirit speaks, he gets, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, and, 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 and this thought is, is full of a thousand thoughts. And they're all there. And it's like, wait, I got to pick this apart. How, how am I going to do this? So I saw all of this at once yesterday, as I, and I wasn't planning to do anything with it. When I got up this morning, it's like, you do something with it. It's like, oh, good, great, thank you. Wonderful. Put me on the spot. But there's something about praise and worship that moves the heart of God. And today you need to be all in for Jesus. And if you're not all in for Jesus, you're going to be swept away with the current of the world. Did you hear what I'm saying? If you're just trying to appease God by, by you know, coming to a church service, that's not enough. Huh? I know we have to work. We have children. We have grandchildren now. You got responsibilities in life. But you know, you carry Jesus with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You carry him into your job, into your home, into your marriage, into your relationship with your children, your grandchildren, into your fun times, into your, into your activities, your fun activities, your hobbies. You carry Jesus into everything you do. And if you're doing something you can't carry Jesus into, you need to cut that thing out. Because today, judgment is attached to anything that doesn't speak Jesus. Jesus is coming for the kingdom of darkness. And see, the kingdom of darkness is coming for you. And, and its goal is to hinder you and keep you from God's best. How many hear what I'm saying? So you counteract that with the weapons of your warfare. The word of God, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and then praise and worship. What does praise and worship do? It's more than just singing songs. It literally brings the presence of God into your world. The presence of God is not just a nice, sweet, goose pimple feeling. When I first got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1976, my mother received in 1975... I uh, first got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1976. Um, I went to my mother because she had been a spirit-filled a year more than me. I said, what is this? I feel these, I don't know. I feel these bumps all over me all the time. Chills. Oh, she said, oh, it says Holy Ghost chills. I said, Holy Ghost what? Well, I want you to know the Holy Ghost is more than a goose pimple. That in the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. 
and is in the presence of God is more power than everything on earth that creates power compiled together. The power of God has the ability to lift fear from your life. Heal sickness and disease from your body. Loose your mind from fears and agitations. Did you hear me? The presence of God even came on Philip as he was preaching to a guy from Ethiopia in a chariot. And his whole body was translated 20 miles away. The presence of God was so strong on Jesus when he was raised from the dead, he appeared in front of his disciples among closed doors and windows and then disappeared as quickly as he appeared. You just don't know about the presence. That presence is a powerful force. There's no demon force in hell that can keep you bound when you get acquainted with the presence of God. <laughs> Did you hear me? You say, well, pastor, I've been, I've been dealing with such and such. Get into the presence. Did you hear me? I mean, do all you can to get into him. The presence comes on the heels of praise and worship. Did you hear what I just said? So now I'm off on territory I didn't plan to get into. So I've got to go to my Bible here. So hang on a second because I've got to turn. I did do something with my read. There it is. Oh, look, that's so easy. Psalm 22, verse 3. And I've mentioned this on Wednesday nights many times as we've had our first Wednesday praise and worship, but it bears, uh, the point bears home here today. Yet you are holy, enthroned. Everybody say enthroned on the praises of Israel. Hmm. So God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. So I want to read this to you. This is from um, the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. And this is by uh, Jack Hayford, who just been, went to be with Jesus just a few weeks ago. Uh, and here's his commentary on Psalm 22.3 from his Bible. The Psalms were the praise hymnal of the early church and as such are laden with principles fully applicable for New Testament living. Few principles are more uh, essential to our understanding than this one. The presence of God's kingdom powers directly related to the practice of God's praise. Let me read that again. The presence of God's kingdom power is directly related. Everybody say directly related. To the practice of God's praise. The verb enthroned indicates that wherever God's people exalt His name, He is ready to manifest His kingdom's power in the way most appropriate to the situation as His rule is invited to invade our setting. Praise and worship actually opens up the atmosphere of our life to God's amazing power. How many hear what I just said? It is this fact that properly leads many to conclude in a very real sense. Praise prepares a specific and present place for God among his people. Some have chosen the term establish his throne to describe this enthroning in this verse in New Living Translation said, enthroned on the praises of Israel. This enthroning of God in our midst by worshiping and praising. Um, it's an entry point to his kingdom to come, to enter, 
to all that will be done in human circumstance by God. And then he also said this, since God is enthroned in praises, worship is the key to entering fully into his presence. Just listen. Everybody listening? The concept here is that praise releases God's glory, thus bringing the worshiper actualized responses of his kingly reign. His enthroned responses through the Holy Spirit take many forms, such as prophecy, healings, miracles, affirmation to individual hearts, a call to reverential silence and awe, conviction of sin, salvation of sinners. And he ended his commentary here by saying this verse should be a guiding goal for all personal corporate worship times. Let me just tell you about my life. I know that principle of worshiping. I sang songs in church for 18 years as a Baptist. We sang three hymns, page whatever in the Baptist hymnal, the next page in the Baptist hymnal, and then they had another one. It was all in the bulletin. Y'all remember that stuff? So I was familiar with singing, but when I got to worshiping, something changed, and it was completely different. And I found when I began to worship the Lord that a presence came on my life. And that God would speak to me. There were times I felt forlorn and forsaken because of lots of things that I was allowed in my life as a child and as a teenager. And I would get into the presence of God and I would, it was as though inside of me, He was saying to me, I love you with an everlasting love. Or I will never leave you nor forsake you because I would feel lonely. Or nobody can love me like you. Nobody can, nobody can love you like I can. I said, okay, I'll let you. I would just begin to worship. But whatever I needed, I found that he helped me. I was in Ethiopia. This is a dozen years or more ago. And uh, I ate some really bad food. Uh, we ate a lot of goat. And this time I had some goat with some green peppers mixed in. And I forgot about the green peppers. You don't eat. You do not eat uh, any kind of vegetables in, in a land like that. And your uh, a system is not accustomed to it. So I was paying the price for that in a very bad way. And my stomach was upset, and I was, uh, I was fevered. And we, it was over 100 degrees outside, and uh, it was, I was really sick. The truth is, we were having church under a tree. And we had probably 30 people there. I had uh, Bruce McDonald, the missionary I went with there. And uh, boy, I mean, we started ministering to these people, and I mean, it just got the best of me. I felt, uh, you know, I'd have to feel better to, to die. That's how I felt. It's like, Jesus. And I told Bruce, I said, I, I just can't stand up anymore. I got to go sit down. So I'm on the way back to the SUV we had rented for the trip. And on the way, uh, I thought I was going to fall on the ground. I said, God, don't let me fall on the ground. But I, started, I fainted several times in my life. When you faint, you know everything turns yellow. Then you hear this piercing, eerie, you know, this weird sound. Well, all that started coming. And the guy in the SUV, our driver, he didn't speak English. And I said, I'm about to faint. He just looked at me like I'm cuckoo. So I grabbed my water bottle and just turned it on my head and then put my head below my feet and I said, God, help me. And somehow I didn't faint, but I just sat in the vehicle until uh, Bruce finished ministering to the people. We're, we're going around the side of a mountain. I mean, it's dirt. this is a rustic place. There's no water, no electricity, no running. You know, you've been there with me. Um, and, and while I was sitting there, I said, God, I, I just begin to worship. I put some headphones on. I just begin to sing. I begin to worship and praise God. And in the middle of my worship, and I, I just said, God, I, I need you to touch me today. You know, it's not good to be sick like this, 10,000 miles from home, and there are no hospitals anywhere, and there are no doctors. I need you. I need you now. And y'all, as I begin to worship and sing, 
I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. Let's begin to sing. And, and as I sang, I, I remember looking out the window and looking down in the valley. And we're going around the mountain. And while I was singing, it felt, it's hard to describe, it felt, it felt like something oozing on me. It felt like honey almost. Just flowing down over my whole, started with my head. And it went over my whole body. And just that quickly, all those symptoms disappeared. And then I began to sing, I am the God that healeth thee. I am the Lord your healer. I sent my word and healed your disease. I began to sing. <laughs> Why am I sharing that? I'm just saying that whatever you need is in the presence of God. And the presence of God manifests when you worship. And worship's not just singing songs on Sunday. It's, it's your heart connecting with God's heart. And there's a tangible anointing of God's power available today. And now, it's like we've turned a corner worldwide. People are experiencing God in a fresh way. And the cool thing is, it's not attached to human personalities preaching the big words. It's connected to the presence manifesting. And now you got Asbury University, started Asbury University, and now it's happening all across our nation. Then I went to the uh, meeting last week. The friend, this is happening all over the world. That's what's awesome. And this is just the beginning. So this is, this is new wine. And we need new wineskins. So I propose to you, we got to start doing something different around here. So I just came back this Sunday. I was here Wednesday night, but I met with my staff team a little bit. Well, I talked to Mary. She met with the staff team. That's the way it works. So this morning, for the first time, we had 64 people this morning praying at 8 o'clock. How cool is that? So that's part of the new wineskin. You want the presence of God? Well, you got to pray. And then for all of us, you really want the presence of God in your life? Be a worshiper. Learn to worship. Learn to get the manifest presence on your life. I want to go through some scripture fairly quickly. You good with this? You get anything out of this yet? So let me get to this portion right here. Uh, Psalm 80, verse 1. Now, all of these scriptures have one significant thing in them. This is Psalm 80, verse 1. Please listen, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph's descendants like a flock, O God enthroned above the cherubim. Display your radiant glory. Now, the cherubim, he's talking about the, 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 the uh, cover of the Ark of the Covenant. It had two uh, angels, cherubim, that were molded out of gold. It was probably wood inlaid, uh, overlaid with gold. And, and their wings kind of over, overshadowed the, the uh, box they call the Ark of the Covenant. So the top of that's called the mercy seat. Everybody say the mercy seat. And see in the present, and so in the tabernacle, in David's tabernacle, as they, as before Solomon's temple was built, the the ark of the covenant was there, 
And when they begin to worship and give sacrifices and such, the presence of God would come right over the Ark of the Covenant and hover between the two angels, the cherubim. I mean, there was a manifest presence of God. Could you imagine being an Israelite? Y'all okay? Huh. Can you imagine being an Israelite? Can you imagine uh, looking over uh, during the, the day and, and there's a cloud over this tent that, that, that is, the, is the tent where the presence of God was and, and, and the Ark of the Covenant was there? And, and you're, you're maybe a mile away, but you can see that cloud. That meant the, meant the presence was with you. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in the way you do. And then at night, you're sleeping in your tent, but you peep out the side of the tent, and there's a fire hovering in the air right above the Ark of the Covenant, right between those two angels, those two cherubim. It's the presence of God. Do you get the idea? See, we don't have to go somewhere to find the presence. It was just in one location, Old Testament. It was with the ark in the Holy of Holies. You get it? You are a Holy of Holies. And when you read these things, y'all getting this? When you read these things, oh God enthroned above the cherubim. It's talking about the manifest presence of God. God, you're manifest above the cherubim. Display your radiant glory. Listen to Listen to Psalm 99. I'll pull it up. Verse 1. Here it is again. The Lord is king. Let the nations tremble. He sits on his throne between the cherubim. Let the whole earth quake. And then uh, 1 Samuel 4. Verse 4. I memorized all this. (laughs) So they sent men to Shiloh to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord of heaven's armies who is enthroned between the cherubim. Woo-hoo! Do you see God enthroned himself, manifest his presence right there with the Ark of the Covenant? I'm talking about Old Testament here. And then Ezekiel chapter 25, Exodus, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 25, verse 22. Yep, I will meet you there. Now watch. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give to you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between, uh, that's the atonement covers, uh, a mercy seat is another term for it, between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. From there I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. So to the people of Israel, they were with the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God would manifest. Then when you go back to Psalm 22, 3, you are holy, you who are enthroned, who manifest yourself in the praises of Israel. When they begin to worship, the presence manifested. Anybody get anything yet? 2 Chronicles chapter 5, listen to this. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple. And then it says in verse 11, Then the priests left the holy place. All the priests who were present had purified themselves, whether or not they were on duty that day. And the Levites, who were the musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jedithan, and all their sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen robes, stood at the east side of the altar playing cymbals, lyres, and harps. They were joined by 120 priests who were playing trumpets. The trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He's good. 
His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because the cloud, because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. So those verses in Psalm 80, Psalm 99, uh, 1 Samuel 4 is talking about the God that manifests between the cherubim and here in Solomon's temple. When they begin to worship the Lord, God's presence manifested. And then the psalmist said he's, he's enthroned. He manifests himself on the praises of Israel. You put all that together, listen to this. Y'all ready for this? This is the, this is the height of it right here. This is Psalm uh, 90, I'm sorry, Psalm 146. Now listen to this. So, so, so listen to what happens when you worship. See, we're in the middle of a, let me tie all this together. We're in the middle of a warfare. It's not fun or easy living today. Would you agree? There's challenges every day at every turn. Things are cuckoo. They're crazy. You fill in the blanks with the adjectives to describe it. It's a nuts day. But see, this is the day for God's glory to manifest. We don't have, have to go to an Ark of the Covenant that's at a certain place at a certain time. You are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in you. In fact, in fact, where Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, What? Know ye not, verse 19, What? Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you? When he said temple of God, that word for temple is naos. And it's the Greek word for the back part of, of, of the temple, of the Jewish temple, where the Holy of Holies was, where only the high priest could go. And he only once a year after he had uh, provided animal sacrifices and he went with the blood of an animal once a year and he poured it on the top cover of the Ark of the Covenant to cover the sins of Israel once a year. You know, and he says, you are the temple of God. You are a Holy of Holies. You know what that means now? If you're a born-again believer, if you're not, you can be. You have access to the presence of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When the enemy comes to your mind and lies to you and tells you nobody loves you, your family's against you, your church doesn't love you, your friend is against you, your job is going to fail, your finances are going to fail, nothing's going to work out, you're lonely, nobody cares about you, you'll never get married or you won't stay, whatever it is. You start worshiping and praising God and it pushes that out of the way and the presence of God comes. Did you hear what I'm saying? So here in Psalm 146, he made, um, where am I? I'm in the wrong spot. I'm supposed to be at Psalm 149. Hang on. Let me get over there. Everybody good? I'm on the fly. Verse six, there we go. Let the praises of God be in their mouths. Now, I'm going to change. Let me change translations. I've got all these translations on my device. So here is, let me find uh, New King James is here. I know. Right. There it is. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. So there's something about the two-edged sword being in the hand and the high praises of God in the mouth. The two-edged sword is a metaphor for the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You get it? To execute vengeance on the nations. What does? 
The praises of God in their mouth executes vengeance on the nations, punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains, their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment, this honor have all his saints. That's talking about the demon forces of hell that hell that are arrayed against you, that are seeking to hinder your walk with God. It's tied right to Ephesians 6, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness and high places they don't have a chance against you if you'll worship God from your heart and be in manifest presence of Jesus wherever you are did you hear what I said I didn't mean to holler but I felt it <laughs> so I want you to just get this praise and worship here is uh, 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 Jack Hayford again and here's his, his uh, commentary. Here in is instruction to sing praise in the privacy of one's home. Not only, y'all come up here, the praise and worship team, not only in public gatherings, but to sing in private worship as well. This Old Testament uh, call reminds us of the New Testament revelation that we are temples or sanctuaries of the Holy Spirit. Further, see this mobility, praising in all places as a marching army confronting foes, not human but hellish powers, with praises brandished like a sword. The written judgment is New Test in New Testament terms reminds us how praise not only honors the victory of Calvary, but applies the triumph of the cross to real life struggles anywhere. How many hear me? Then he goes on to say, listen to this. This statement may be drawing from the Old Testament historical event of sending the singers and Levites out to battle with the Israelite soldiers. Human strength without acknowledging God's might does not win spiritual battles either. High praises, uh, and he mentions high praises. Uh, uh, he says here, and he gives the Hebrew word, its basic meaning uh, is, is of being lifted up or exalted. And he talks about the worship being really, really, really high. Uh, and there's some uh, musical terms for that. The word might also refer to an exalted place or a high place as the place of angels in the spirit world. This word would be likened to the heavenly places spoken of in Ephesians 6.12 that I mentioned earlier. That would suggest spiritual warfare coupled with the language of the two-edged sword. The assembly of saints being also used of military formation and the references to vengeance, punishment, judgment. This psalm is a unique depiction of praise as an effective weapon in spiritual warfare. Do you get that? It's a lot to say. I know you're looking at me. What are you talking about? I'm talking about you getting off your duff, getting up when you're not feeling good and worshiping God when you don't feel like it. Did you hear me? I'm talking about understanding that we're living in a day of battle. It's not easy and it's not going to get any easier. In fact, the time may get more difficult, but God has given us every weapon that we need. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, they're spiritual. But if you're a fleshly person and you act in the flesh and you get aggravated and you fuss and cuss and fling and sling things and just say, I quit. Well, the devil will eat your lunch, your breakfast, your dinner, everything that you have. He will steal from you because he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you'll worship God, you'll be like those people in the Old Testament who were at the front lines of battle. They had the soldiers behind them, but they had their timbrels, they had their instruments of music, and they had their voices, and they begin to worship God. And while they worship God, God beat their enemies to smithereens. Same thing's going to happen today. 
So what are you challenged with in your life? It's time to get your praise on. It's time for God to enthrone himself between the cherubim in our lives. It's time for the manifest presence of God. We're living in a day, y'all, the manifest presence of Jesus can come. There are people in the room, you're, some of you are struggling with sin. Some of you are struggling, the cultural sins, the sexual sins. See, I feel it. I, I don't need to know who you are, but I feel it in the room. You're, 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 you're pressured. You're pressured. You know, Paul told Timothy, flee also youthful lusts. Some of those lusts will remain lifelong. Did you hear me? How do you flee those things? Worship. Say, God, I don't want what I feel. Maybe the world's encroaching on you. And maybe it's the flesh. Maybe it's those things. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. I took a walk yesterday, and for the second time in two days, I smelled reefer. Now, I know people, you know what that is? That's pot. I'm sorry. Pot. Did you know people are, oh, that's marijuana. Did you know people are smoking marijuana at home? I take walks and I smell it in the street like what on earth? People are trying to assuage all of their bad feelings with drugs. It's not working, my friends. Because you do one, you got to do ten eventually to get what one provided at once. And then if you're drinking, instead of drinking one, you got to have six before you feel the buzz. You know what? All you need is the presence of Jesus. And he will help every area of life. How many hear what I'm saying? Do you get this? Let me just, I, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Can I do that? Church has got to be different, y'all. In fact, the truth, I'm just getting started. Can I say this? I'm going against years of it being drilled in me. Keep your services short. You want to know what I say to keep ser keeping services short? Because. Sorry, y'all. I feel the Spirit of God saying, you got to have a new wineskin. You got to have a new container for the presence. So I just want y'all to pray with me. Because here's what I feel. If I did what I felt, now when I say feeling a spiritual thing inside, I would cut out the 11 o'clock service. If I did what I felt, and we'd meet at 8 o'clock to pray. And at 9 o'clock, hold the door open. We're going to go after God. Until. And that means worship with abandon. That means invite the presence in here. That means if you're bound, if you're sick, if you're afflicted, if you're fear-filled, if the enemy's on your back and on your tail, you can shut him off because the presence is here. And bring your friends that are sick. Bring your family that have been dealing with oppression and depression. 
and watch the power of God manifest. How's that feel? You know, I have this euphemism from, you know, years ago. I don't like to use it. But I, it keeps coming up. and I, It's put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, I don't want you to smoke a pipe. <laughs> really? No. I just want you to get it. How many get it? 